The following is a continuation of the previous episode. Welcome to the Yellow Balloons podcast, a collection of teachings to help you navigate the transformational possibilities of a God-centered perspective. We pray these insights from scripture will inspire and encourage you. In this episode, we continue looking at the life of Moses, one of the most influential characters in all of Christian scripture, and how that life of faithfulness helped to set the stage for the coming of Christ. Both Moses and Jesus suffered similar things. Exploring scenes from Moses' life, we endeavor to define truth, and we discover how we can live a life invested in that truth. The Hall of Faith is an example to obey God and love other people. In the end, a life of love and service is not just best for others, it is best for us as well. So I think what we can see here is that if we look at the reproaches Christ uh, suffered, I think we'll see the same thing that Moses suffered. And what Moses chose is a pattern of what Christ chose. Let's look at it. I'm going to propose that the reproaches of Christ fell into two categories. And of course, we're invited to do likewise. Choose the reproaches of Christ over the passing pleasures of sin. The first category I'm going to propose that the reproaches of Christ fell into is family, friends, and community. Let's look at Matthew 13, starting 53 here. Now it came to pass, when Jesus had finished these parables, that he departed from there. When he had come to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue. So they were astonished and said, Where did this man get his wisdom and these mighty works? Is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? And his sisters, are they not all with us? Where then did this man get all these things? So they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his own country and in his own house. And he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Okay, so what... Who is rejecting him here? His own town. His own town? And? His own house, his own family. Let's look at John chapter 7. After these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, or he did not want to walk in Judea because the Jews sought to kill him. Now the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand. His brothers therefore said to him, Depart from here and go into Judea that your disciples also may see the works you are doing. For no one does anything in secret while he himself seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For even his brothers did not believe in him. They're mocking him. Then Jesus said to them, My time's not yet come, but your time's always ready. Um, Another whole group that uh, rejected Jesus was the Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees were the theological conservatives of the day. They were the defenders of the faith. You you know where the Pharisees came from? You know their origin? They go back to the Maccabees, which was like 160 B.C., something like that. The Maccabees um, rose up like, you know, it was like a band of people against a mighty army, basically. And they rose up against Syria because... The Syrian king, uh, Antiochus Epiphanes, 
had decreed that uh, it was illegal to practice Jewish practices. He was going to eradicate Judaism altogether once and for all and install Hellenism for the whole world. And a grandfather circumcised his son, uh, was killed, and the Maccabees rose up with a little armed resistance, and God intervened, and basically they just left him alone. Yeah, that's not worth the trouble. Went off to do something else. And um, Israel became a sovereign nation under this Maccabean uh, uh, priestly leadership uh, for about 100 years until Rome came in and took... And took uh, them over. Well, the Maccabees, uh, their kind of descendants, their adherents broke into two groups, the Sadducees and the Pharisees. The Sadducees kind of compromised with the Romans and adopted Greek ways. You don't really see Jesus talk to them any. As a matter of fact, one of the top Herodians was was Herod. And when Jesus brought before Herod, he won't even talk to him. But the the theological conservatives, the ones who believed the Bible, the ones who adhered to sound doctrine, these guys were the Pharisees. And Jesus talked to them all the time. Uh, And he talked to them in fairly stern tones. Um, Whose children do you talk to in stern tones? Other people's or your own? Your own, right? And he talked to the Pharisees because that's what, what, where he was from. The Pharisees was his team. The Pharisees, it was us. We, we are, when you see Pharisee, you see Midland Bible Church type people. I mean, that, that's, that's who this is. And they rejected him. Why did they reject him? He didn't fit their mold. He made life uncomfortable for them. He was betrayed by his disciples. He was betrayed or rejected by his disciples. Obviously, he was betrayed by Judas. Uh, Peter and the other ten denied him and ran away. Let's look at Matthew 16. Well, let's just look at verse uh, 13 first. They came into the reason of Caesarea Philippi. He says, who do I say I am? And then verse 16, Simon Peter says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, boy, you're really blessed because you know that. And then we look at uh, verse 21, and it says, From that time Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed and be raised the third day. So who's he talking to? Who's Jesus talking to? His disciples, okay? He's talking specifically to his disciples about this. So then he comes, uh, then comes Peter, then Peter takes him aside. Now, why would Peter take him aside? He doesn't want to humiliate him, right? Yeah. He takes him aside and begins to rebuke him. And his rebuke's this. He says, far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. I think this is really one of the funniest scenes in the Bible. And then he says to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You're an offense to me, for you're not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. You see the triangle here? Okay, God or man? Which one is it going to be? God or man? And this is right after he said, Hey, you're really blessed because you see who I am. 
And of course, shortly here, thereafter, G, uh, this same guy, Peter, denies him three times, uh, goes out and weeps bitterly. The disciples all leave him. Uh, Judas, of course, betrays him. So that's a pretty robust picture of, of uh, rejection, don't you think? Well, let's look at Moses. Look at Numbers chapter 12. Then Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses. Do you know who Miriam and Aaron are? Brother and sister. Very good. Then Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. So his first wife is Zipporah, who's a Midianite. And I believe that Miriam and Aaron are both Midianites. So he marries a woman from another nation, and they get really ticked off about it. So what are they going to do? So they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? So what are they doing here? What are they doing? They're elevating themselves. What's their banking point? We're just as good. We're just as good. What are they trying to make happen here? Well, put Moses down. Why? What's Moses doing? Well, but I mean, what's his job? He's their leader. They're trying to take over, right? This is an everyday event. Happens in every company every day. If somebody's vulnerable, they try to take a you know try to take their spot by bumping somebody else off. Happens in politics all the time. This is this is a, a you know pretty normal thing for people to do. We're going to bump this guy off. Uh, of course, God intervenes for Moses, keeps it from happening. Poor Miriam ends up as a leper for seven days. Only seven days because Moses intervenes for her. says, please don't do this to my sister. Uh, look at Exodus 32, verse 24. Um, this, is, this is what Aaron's speaking. <coughs> Let's see, let me go to back 22. So Aaron said, do not let the anger of my Lord become hot. So this is Moses comes back, sees the golden calf is, is the scene here. Moses said to Aaron, what did you people do and why have you brought so great a sin on them? So here's Aaron's answer. Don't let the anger of my Lord become hot. You know the people that they are set on evil. For they said to me, make us gods that we shall go before us. And as for this Moses, the man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. How long had he been gone? Forty days. Yeah, he'd been gone 40 days. You know, they've seen the Red Sea part. They've seen the rock give water. They've seen all these miracles. Forty days later, they're ready to go back. And I said to them, whoever has any gold, let them break it off. So they gave it to me and I cast it into the fire and this calf came out. (laughs) So if you're Moses, what are you thinking right now about Aaron? Yeah, yeah, you, you kind of betrayed me, right? I, I left you in charge of the people. I'd just gone for a little while. And I come back, and they're having a sex orgy, and they're worshiping a, a golden calf. When it says they sat down to eat and rose up to play, that's a euphemism for... Well, where had they seen that before, by the way? Yeah, so here's Moses, and he had all of that he wanted. And he said, nope, I'm setting that aside. I'm going for the reproaches of Christ. He comes back, and here they are doing it. And he looks to Aaron and said, what are you doing? I, Oh, all I did is take the gold and put it in the fire. I mean, it just kind of came out. 
And I'm not, I mean, you know these people. They're not really. I mean, what, what could I do? So he's, he's, he's rejected by his brother and sister. He's betrayed by his right-hand man, who's Aaron. Um, there's another episode that's real interesting in Exodus. His uh, wife, Zipporah, they're coming to Egypt. He's coming with, with his uh, wife and his children. And uh, it's kind of a, interesting the way it states it there. I'm, I'm going to fill in the gaps of what I think is going on. Um, I think what's happening, or the inference is, that uh, God wanted Moses to circumcise his children. They had not been circumcised. And uh, Zipporah is resisting this. And so God shows up and says, I'm gonna, if you don't circumcise your kids, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take them out. And so Zipporah goes and circumcises the kids and comes and throws the foreskins down on his feet of Moses and says, here, I hope you're happy. You're a husband of blood to me. I'm sure she said it in an even more scornful tone from the, from the uh, context. And so here you got Moses. I mean, so he, he's been told, hey, go and confront Pharaoh. Tell him to let the people go. And he's on the way to Egypt. Is this an easy thing or a hard thing for him to do? It's very hard, right? And he's like, well, why is he going to listen to me? I can't even talk good. Well, I'll, I'll be with you. Okay. I mean, he's, he's got this massively difficult task in front of him. And his helper is not being very helpful. Does he turn back? Does he say, oh, okay, I can't do this without your help, honey. We'll just go back home. No, he keeps going. So we got the triangle again. I got my, I got my brother, my right-hand man that you gave me. He betrays me. I'm going to keep walking with God. Got my sister trying to overthrow me. I'm going to keep walking with God. My, my wife trying to throw me under the bus. I, I'm going to keep going. So it's, pretty, it's pretty remarkable. Uh, the other uh, category, so we've got family, friends, and so forth. The other category that we have is in the reproach of Christ is rejection by the world system. Let's look at John chapter 18. Pharaoh was the ruler of the world. And we have Moses standing before Pharaoh. In John chapter 18, we have Jesus standing before the representative of the ruler of the world, which is Rome. And that's Pilate. So he's standing before Pilate. Then Pilate said to them, You take him, judge him according to your law, speaking to the Jews. Therefore the Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spoke, signifying what death he would die. Then Pilate entered the praetorium again, called the Jews and said to him, Are you king of the Jews? Jesus, called to Jesus, sorry. And Jesus answered him, Are you speaking for yourself about this, or did others tell you concerning me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not of this world. Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. 
Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? I looked up a quote of uh, Lenin. Vladimir, the, the Marxist Lenin, the inventor of communism, Lenin. And he said, a lie told often enough becomes the truth. What is truth? To the Roman world, what was truth? Whatever they said it was. Whatever was expedient to them. Well, let's look at Exodus 5. And let's look at Moses before the mightiest power on earth. Exodus chapter 5, verse 1. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I don't know the Lord. Who is God that I would obey him? What is truth? Truth's what I say it is. Who's God? I'm God. The the power of the world says, we'll make the rules. Truth's what I say it is. Jesus says, I'm not of this world. My kingdom's not of this world. Not yet. Let's bring it all to landing in our own lives. Let's go back to Hebrews and look at Hebrews chapter 2. And review again what we've uh, talked about many times through the Hebrews series. Jesus is a better son, a better administration, and a better world. He's presented as in the book of Hebrews. And in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 5, it says, He's not to put the world to come of which we speak in subjection to angels, but one testified in a certain place saying, What is man that you're mindful of him? Or the Son of Man that you take care of Him, you made Him a little lower than the angels. You crowned Him with glory and honor and set Him over the works of your hands. We, as people, were designed to rule the world. That's what we were designed for. When God told Abraham, I'll make you a great nation, He was leaning into that for which we've been designed. For in that He put all things under subjection to Him, He left nothing that's not put under Him. But now... We do not see all things put under Him. Boy, the understatement of the Bible. Right now, the world just isn't very much in our control. But here's what we do see. We see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels. He became a man like us. Crowned with glory and honor that He, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. I left out the key phrase. For the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor. So what we're offered, and it goes on to say, he wants to bring many sons to glory. That's his his goal. What we're offered in the book of Hebrews, what we're offered in the hall of faith as an example, is to live not a payday life, but an investment life. And what God wants to give us is a great nation. And to make our name great. And to bless the whole earth through us. And how do we do that? According to the book of Hebrews. How do we do that? We obey today. And in what area do we obey? Remember Hebrews 13. Love other people. Be faithful with what God's given you. Whoever's in your sphere of influence, work in such a way that you serve their best interest. Be hospitable. Share your stuff. Be content with what you have. Remember those who are being persecuted. 
just like you were being persecuted with them. Have a great marriage. By doing those things in obedience, not as a payday thing, you know, how can I get as much pleasure today as possible? But even in the face of rejection from friends and family, even in the face of rejection from community, even when the world system comes in and tries to oppose us, we say, you know, payday's coming. I'm going to build my ark. And when the judgment comes, I'll be ready. I'm going to obey and I'm going to leave my country. And I'm going to go to where God's given me. Because I want these great rewards that are lasting, not just this passing thing. And to the extent the world offers me money, sex, power, fame, whatever it is, like I could be in the house of Pharaoh, I'm not going to grasp that. I would rather have the reproaches of Christ because I want to see the reward. I don't want to please people and I, want to, I don't want to be a slave to my own pleasures. I want to please God and I want something that lasts. When we love others, when we really build our marriage, when we live this life of love and obedience on a current basis, what we're doing is building a name. And we're entering the promise to have our name lifted up. And how do we know that? Because Jesus has already paved the way. Have in your mind this same mind that was in Jesus. Although he had some stuff he could cling to, he said, no, I'm not going to cling to that. I'm not going to cling to my hometown. I'm not going to cling to my comfortable life. What I'm going to do is follow this path that Jesus set out for me. Now, not everybody in here is real young. Remember, Abraham was 75 when he started this path. It's never too late to start. And uh, it's never too early to begin. It's a call for all of us. In our, the scheme of life, it's Wednesday and payday's on Friday. We have a wisp of vapor life. And today's the day when we can be obedient and live for something that lasts. Thanks, God, for this wonderful uh, picture of Moses. Help us be like him, Lord, to look beyond just today while living in today. And I pray that we will be courageous, humble, seek truth, serve you. Uh, and in spite of resistance from world powers, the world system, even friends, family, community, when that comes, we'll stay true to following you and trust you your reward's greater than anything we can get here. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Yellow Balloons podcast. If you want more information on adopting a God-centered perspective, visit our website at yellowballoons.net. And if you have any questions related to what you just heard, we would love to hear from you. Please email us at contact at yellowballoons.net. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.